listening to the Only in Miami show, hosted by Grant Stern. This show is brought to you in its entirety, commercial-free by Morningside Mortgage Corporation. You can find out more about them at www.morningsidemortgage.com. Again, that's www.morningsidemortgage.com. Tonight's contest featuring two tickets to the University of Miami home opening football game is sponsored by 305 I Am Hurt. We'll be giving those tickets away at 8.08 p.m. That's 305 I Am Hurt. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter, at Grant Stern, and I'd love to hear from you with your comments, questions, thoughts. You can also find all of our podcasts at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. That's www.onlyinmiamishow.com. We have all of our blog posts there, all of our back episodes, links to our iTunes podcast, and to SoundCloud. So tonight we have a phenomenal show for you. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, we do have a, a contest going on at 8.08 p.m. Uh, one of our new sponsors, 305 I Am Hurt, is sponsoring the contest, and they'll be talking with us later at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. We also have Billy Corbin, director of Cocaine Cowboys and The U, calling in at 8 p.m., and right now for the seven o'clock hour, we have Chef Danny Surfer. Hi. And he is the proprietor of Blue Collar and a new upcoming uh, restaurant called Mignonette that's also in the Miami Midtown area. And I think we're going to have a good time. We've got some lox and some rye bread, a little bit of uh, cream cheese from Russ and Daughters up in New York. Very short getaway that I took there this past weekend. And uh, we're going to kind of have a picnic with the chef here tonight. But before we get going, I'd like to make a comment on something that's a little bit crazy. And we talked about it on the show a few weeks ago when uh, congressional candidate and Cutler Bay, Bay Mayor Ed McDougal was on the show. And that's about Parcel B. And, uh, and I'd like to share with you what we said a couple weeks ago about Parcel B. Google Plus. So, at the 8 o'clock hour, we have Drastic Fanatic calling in to talk sports and NBA free agency, which is going to start. There's a parcel behind the American Airlines Arena owned by the county. And the, the arena itself is owned by the county, but the parcel is called Parcel B. It's a roughly three-acre parcel that is directly on the waterfront behind the AAA and facing the Intracoastal Waterway and the Port of Miami. Up until now, that parcel has exclusively served as a staging area for the American Airlines Arena, for which it's been rented at $550 per day once in a while. Personally, I wish I could rent that property for $550 
to use it for a concert or a festival. It's an incredible place that's been closed to the public. Well, now that Miami's museum park is complete, there's a way to get into Parcel B. There's a way. You can walk right in from Biscayne Boulevard all the way down the FEC slip, which the city of Miami spent $15 million restoring over the last five years as part of the museum park project, which has created a fantastic public park in the heart of downtown Miami, adjacent to the American Airlines Arena, accessible by multiple uh, means of mass transit. There's even a parking lot there, too, folks. And uh, it's something that really needs to be developed properly right now, There's an initiative to create what I would only describe as a classic Miami white elephant. And only in Miami white elephant that has been proposed. Okay, so there is a proposal to create a Cuban exile museum. And I'm bringing in Peter Ehrlich. Peter, are you there with us on the phone? Yes, Grant. Uh, Thank you very much. I am here. Okay, Peter. There was a vote recently by the city, uh, the, the Miami-Dade County Commission on Parcel B, uh, and can you please tell our audience a little bit about what's been going on with that, briefly? Uh, yes, uh, this is Peter Ehrlich. I'm with Scenic Miami and the Urban Environment League, and the Parcel B issue's been been going on uh, for about 15 or 16 years. It's it's a wonderful site. It's three or four acre site east of the American Airlines Arena. Uh, and we've just and, described it, but what what's going on this week? There was a vote this week, correct? Yes. on uh, There was an agenda item at the Board of County Commissioners. This past on, Thursday. On July 15th, and it was continued to the Thursday on the 17th. And the commissioners voted on an, uh, an item proposed by Commissioner Bovo to negotiate or turn over the site I mean, negotiated deal with a newly formed um, startup nonprofit called the Cuban Exile Museum Inc. So this is a group with no track record whatsoever. Yeah, Cuban Exile History Museum Inc. What, yes, was they, this they project don't to have any track record whatsoever? What, was this a bid project? No, it it was brought up in the hearing, and, and it's publicly known that there was no bidding, there was no request for proposals, no request for for qualifications. And, and what do you think the, the estimated value of this incredible piece of public waterfront land owned by Miami-Dade County is? It's right behind the American Airlines arena. Yes, well, almost concurrently, um, a one-and-a-quarter acre lot on a, a, three or, a four blocks, five blocks south of this lot on the, bay, on the, river, on the riverfront near the Epic Condo site sold for $125 million. And that site, if the tower goes up on that site, the, it will have obstructed views on about um, a quarter or a third of, 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 it, of its site. Uh, the parcel B site is three to four acres, and any, any tower, if one was ever to be built there, would have 360-degree views. So it's probably worth a lot more than $125 million. It's probably worth million. a lot more than the, it may be worth $100 million an acre if there was to be a a bid process and uh, a, a formal search for a, um, an interesting project on the site. Now, is this the last word? No. Um, the, the the startup group that got this no-bid you know, contract to work with the county, 
Um, the county will have to come up with uh, a contract with them. And I, but uh, I'm, uh, my question is, is this procedurally the, the end of the line for them? Or it, it does, uh, for example, has the mayor of uh, Miami-Dade County signed off on this deal? I'm not aware of, of Mayor Carlos Hermenez signing off on it, and he has been asked to veto the legislation. Um, and, he, and I believe the county rules are he has, the mayor has 15 days to veto it. But with eight commissioners already voting yes for this scheme, it would be po- it's possible for the, uh, the commissioners to override the mayoral veto. It would be possible, but do you think that uh, that Miami-Dade County residents really want a second Cuban exile museum next to the one that's being installed into the Freedom Tower, which is across the street from the water, which is the actual site of the Cuban exile community's arrival. And Miami-Dade County, or Miami-Dade College just announced a new Cuban exile museum going into that space, into the ground floor, a permanent exhibit. Yes, that's right. Um, Interestingly, the Miami Herald, uh, they came out with an editorial on the 17th uh, recommending against the Cuban Exile History Museum going on Parcel B, and the Miami Herald recommended in favor of the site remaining open green space. And you know, Actually, I, Javier Suarez did last week on this show as well. He's a, a Miami-Dade uh, commissioner. Yeah. Was he one of the ones that voted against the project? It was. A, it's a good question. No, he voted no. Okay. He was one of the three commissioners who voted against the um, giving away the site. Okay, I and mean, good, he... and good for him. We've you know, we all need to thank him profusely for that. You know, that stand. Okay, well, Peter, thank you so much for calling into the show. We're going to take a really short break, and we're going to be right back with Danny Surfer from Blue Collar, Thanks. only in Miami.
Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Cern. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You can find all of our content online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. All of our podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, Foursquare, anything. Anything you want. But tonight, we're here with Danny Surfer from Blue Collar. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, listen, man, the pleasure is all mine, and I, I hope you're enjoying what we brought down from Russ and Daughters. It's uh, it's always a treat to get Russ and Daughters, and probably even more so when somebody schleps it from New York and shares it with you. <laughs> I know if I took the time to actually get it on a plane and get it down here, I probably would not share it with anyone. <laughs> so thank you very much mm. for that. And a nice assortment, you know, four different kinds of smoked fish. That's, uh, that's really special. I oh. feel... I feel very special, and that the next time you come to Blue Collar, I, I owe you big time. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so for our listening audience, Blue Collar is located on 67th and Biscayne Boulevard Yes, in the Mimo District. And you've been there for how long? Uh, two and a half years. January will be three years. Okay. So we've had a pretty good run so far. Yeah, very good run so far. You yeah. guys have indoor, outdoor, right? Yeah. We uh, have a little bit of covered seating outside, and... Uh, we have you know, about 20 seats on the inside, so total 35, depending on how we configure it. And, you know, it's a nice, small neighborhood place. So what was your inspiration behind Blue Collar? Like, wh- why why did you make it what it is? It's, uh... Well, it's a couple things. One, when I moved back from New York in uh, summer of 11, nobody would hire me that I felt I was good enough that I should be working at. So I would send out... Resume after resume, not really get anything back that I felt I should be getting. I would get offers at places that I felt I was better than, you know, like I won't name names, but like hotels I didn't want to work at and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, restaurants I didn't want to work at that I thought, I, you know, I, I'm not, not that I'm too good for, but it just wouldn't be the right fit. I was doing sure. different things. So you, I, you, you have a lot of flair. Yeah. Let's say like you have <laughs> a lot of personal style to your cooking. Yeah. I didn't want to just be like, Flipping steaks and or doing room service eggs. Yeah. So I heard about this opportunity at the motel where the noodle bar used to be. And uh, I had a little bit of money saved up. So I essentially bought myself a job. That's a great idea. <laughs> and, the, you know, the other part of it where is... Where do you buy one of those anyway? It's is there a, a takes, job store? It takes... Well, if you have any life savings whatsoever, it takes all of that and then some. <laughs> and a lot, a lot of blood and sweat... And a lot of shoving your arm up Wait, here. Wait, whose blood? Is there somebody that... Sous chef's bloods. Oh, okay. My sweat, but sous chef's blood. Oh, that's that's a great business <laughs> yeah. model, actually. But the trade-off, he might be bleeding, but you know, in the morning every day at 7 a.m., he's not the one that's literally up to his neck with his arm in the grease trap covered in who knows what. <laughs> like, li- literally for a couple months. You know, that's the thing about being a chef and an owner you kind of take, you have this trajectory of like, you start out and you're the low man on the totem pole. You might not be getting paid. You do everyone's dirty work. And then you make it to the chef and you're like the big shot and you can sit in an office. One way of it, you can sit in an office and do paperwork. And, or the other one is you can expedite and, and go out to the dining room and collect compliments and everything is fantastic. And then you open your own place and nobody tells you that you're back down on the bottom of the totem pole. You're doing all <laughs> the, everything that you did when you weren't getting paid when you first started out, changing the grease, doing all the prep, getting there at 7 a.m., being the, staying there till 1, 2 a.m. Well, I'm going to point something out. 
that you may not know. In the Indians' totem poles, right. the chief is actually always at the bottom. So we always call the lone man at the totem pole. We think he's, but that's the leader that they actually put at the bottom because he's the base. He's supporting everybody else on top of him. That makes it feel a lot better. I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. Especially, you know, going into opening up another place where I'm going to start the cycle all over. So, so wait, you're going to have two jobs now? I will be the chief grease trap man at two different places. That's awesome. So, you know, whereas blue collar, I was up to my neck in the grease trap. Now maybe I can have my entire body submerged in it and have the bottom, my two legs in the grease trap at Minionette. So that's how you came up with the Billy Corbin, like submerged in grease? <laughs> no, the Billy Corbin, you know. I mean, maybe we could submerge Billy in there. He might like that. It, uh, the <laughs> trap is the right size. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I guess I won't fit. <laughs> Bollocks. The uh the no the sandwich came out, you know, we're both, you know, Miami kids born and raised and missing the rascal house and missing a good place to get a good brisket sandwich. Mm. So, you know, me and Josh from Josh's Deli, we divided up the brisket and I'm not allowed to do pastrami or corned beef. I probably I don't even know that I <laughs> I don't even know if I'd be able to, honestly, so I got the better part of this deal. I get straight brisket, and he gets pastrami and corned beef, and that's how okay. that's how the brisket's been divided. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the cow is cut in this town. Yeah, on the north side. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Josh's Deli is up in Surfside mm -hmm. on uh, I guess 90th and Harding. I think 90, 95, 95, like 94. Yeah, it's like 94, 95, and it's it's similar in size. I think it's maybe like thirty seats, five yeah. something. Yeah, it's about the same size. And his pastrami tartare. That mm. was a great dish. When I think I saw you there coming out for the Christmas dim sum. Yeah, you were coming as I was yeah. going. Yeah, that was yeah. some good stuff. That was great yeah. stuff. Yeah, I like Josh. You know, me and him are really good friends. We we he was he signed my ketubah. So, wow. Yeah, him and uh, Ryan, who's my partner in this new restaurant, who was the uh, uh, runner blogger of MiamiRankings.com. So which one? MiamiRankings.com. Oh, MiamiRankings.com. It was, uh, you know, it's a list of his 20 favorite places to eat in Miami. And, you know, I actually thought that when I was in New York, I read it a lot, like avidly. Okay. And if well, you, you know, Miami's becoming a foodie town. It really yeah. is. No, but if you're reading it and you don't know Ryan and you, you look at this website and you think that it might be something serious, like that there's like an algorithm behind it or like it, that's like ESPN.com or something, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was just one chubby guy's opinion. <laughs> and uh, so like one of the reasons I moved down here and wanted to you know do my own thing was I wanted to get on that website. And, you okay. know, it took me a while and- Finally, I did, and then me and Ryan became really good friends, and, and now we're about to open up that restaurant together. But, you know, like, it, it just seemed, like, MiamiRankings.com, it sounds like something special. Like, somebody would be lucky, like, some corporation paid millions of dollars for that website. But it, it wasn't like that. You know, it's it's funny you say that. There's actually a, a conference tomorrow. It's called Miami Sells. Right. And it's just all about the branding of Miami itself. Okay. Like, locally, internationally, and... uh and I, I find that pretty interesting. Like when I traveled overseas 10, 15 years ago, I saw Miami cars, Miami phones, <laughs> Miami, anything you can imagine. I mean, I, I was in uh, like, I call it rural North Carolina, like just coming out of a mountain in the middle of nowhere, just because it was time to get off the mountain and try and go to Asheville. <laughs> they did the whole uh, Blue Ridge Trail thing. We stop at some pizza place from 
the hell, I guess, you know, it's like <laughs> all frozen and we had no idea. We just were starved. And this is like literally the only restaurant for a hundred miles. And what do they have? They have a South Beach treasure trove. <laughs> like <laughs> like one of those claws that can never pull anything up. And I'm like, this is so perfect. This yeah. is exactly right. Like it's the claw that just keeps dabbing in there. And nothing, can't get anything out, you know? Like huh. just So, <laughs> you know, it's that's interesting. That kind of drew you back yeah, down. Yeah, I was really impressed. I still am impressed. I think it's an interesting site. And, you know, when I think Ryan is very funny and talented. So... Well, let's go back. You're you're from Miami originally. You grew up down here. Yeah, um, uh, I was actually uh, from like the time I'm ten to twenty two. Uh, I was in the rough streets of Aventura. Mm, the mean streets. I of was. Aventura. We had our own gang. It was like a gang of middle class Jewish kids. It was. <laughs> it was kind of rough. We it was called Thugs. Mm. And uh, we had a sign and a color and everything. Bones. Well, it, it, you know, we formed at the same year that 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 that, that <laughs> band got really hot. So, yes. I should inform you, those guys have been playing down here recently. Yeah? Yeah, they were well, at the stage a couple know, months ago. We, uh, we ripped off their name from them. Okay, so. <laughs> that's a good idea. I mean, they worked for Vanilla Ice. I am a huge Vanilla Ice fan, actually. Always <laughs> have been. I think that album is great. Every time I do karaoke, that's the song I sing. Mm. And uh, I, you know, I, I loved the Hurricanes growing up. So when that album came out and he was in that video and all he rocked was Hurricane gear, that was awesome to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. I had no idea when I was in middle school that he was, you know, like from Lauderdale. Yeah, that's, so I, you know, I think that was cool. And I think his show now is pretty funny with the yeah. Amish. Yeah, it's not bad. Wait a second. I, I haven't seen this one. Oh, he Forgive has like me. a show on, I want to say TLC, and he goes and hangs out with Amish people and like helps them redo stuff. Like it's like a, a home redesign kind of show. With vanilla ice Amish and, and Amish redesign people. Yeah. of your house with vanilla ice. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, okay. they're very good. They're very hard workers. Now, I'm, I'm going to set the table for our audience out there because they can't see this treasure trove of fish. But uh, I spent probably like 45 minutes at the counter yesterday uh, just getting this right before we hopped on the plane and came back. Um, there's Gravlox, yes. which is... Uh, you know, you can tell our audience a little bit about these things. Okay. The Gravlox is typically um, made, it's a salmon dish. It's not smoked. It's just cured. Mm -hmm. uh, normally like dill, maybe some gin, and salt and sugar. Right. Then there's, uh, I think there's Western Pacific Belly Nova, something like that. Yep. You have your probably, what's a coho salmon or coyote salmon that mm -hmm. they have cured in salt and sugar and then cold smoked. That's actually... I'm glad you got that. That's what I first thing I make a beeline for. Russ and daughters one there. <laughs> yeah, Always. yeah. It's it. That's the sweet, like very succulent uh, Nova that you get. I mean, you, the best that I've had here is at uh, at what's it called? At Roasters and Toasters, down in Pinecrest. Not every All single right. one of them. Yeah, uh, that one I've yet to go to. Okay, that one you've yet to go to. I've never been to that one. Yeah, um, you know, I'm a regular there. I have call-in privileges. That's why I always that's go a, there. <laughs> that's a schlep from where you are. I'm. Must, it is, I but it's right off the out. metro rail, you know? So I actually take the metro rail. Really? Um, yeah, You're I'll the take guy. the metro rail Sunday morning. That's and, you. Yeah, head out <laughs> there with the tablet. I used to, you, you know, with the newspaper back in the day. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've been going there for like 15 years. I, uh, I mean, growing up in the mean streets of Aventura, so my allegiance is for Sage. Ah, since it was always right there, 
Sage Bagels on uh, Hallandale Beach Boulevard. Yep. Uh, just east of US one. Yep. The you know the fish they don't they don't make it themselves there. I think they probably go through too much volume, but. Uh, the bagel is second to none. Like, oh, yeah. as good as anything that New York has. Well, I actually went to high school with Harvey First's son. Right. He's the proprietor there, and he told me that they have a hundred year old. Well, it's a hundred years old back then. It's got to be older now. Hundred twenty. Uh, yeah, a <laughs> hundred year old uh, taffy puller, and that's what they use to extrude their bagels. No. Yeah, oh. it's like this very like dense dough, and then they extrude it. Through the taffy puller, and then they loop it and make bagels out of it. That's awesome to hear. Let me tell you why. Because I, I would bet, I would bet my restaurant blue collar that everyone else listening, in addition to myself, thought you were going to say oven, not taffy puller. <laughs> I bet you everyone thought you were going to say, and they have a hundred year old oven because that's like something places like to talk about, like the northeastern pizza places are like, oh, and their oven was handmade brick by brick by my greatest grandfather. 150 years ago. But sure. you said taffy puller, and I was not expecting that. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Maybe that's why their bagels are better than everyone else. That's. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, their recipe is different, uh, very different. I mean, they've got this, you know, the hard outside and the... It's like a, you know, it's like a real New York bagel when you get mm-hmm. a good New York bagel. Oh, yeah. It's not too big. It's got the right amount, I think, of outside crustiness to tender middle. So I also like coral bagel. That's on US 1 and 27th Avenue. That's, I've never been there either. Oh, Coral Bagel is one of my all-time favorites. Their actual bagels are good? Their actual bagels are good. <clears throat> Very. They're not as, as uh, dense as, as what you get at Sage Bagel. Right. Um, but for that, I mean, they have a great crust and really perfect inside. Like, the inside t- just has a great taste. Maybe I'd, uh... Which, of course, I tend to scoop out and fill up with other stuff from the place. And then what do you do with the inside that you scooped out? Oh, it doesn't make it. We order it scooped. Oh. <laughs> you know, I, I, whoever ordered, whoever created the order of scooped and toasted revolutionized the bagel. I like to, I don't order it like that. When I'm home and I make a bagel, I, I'll scoop it myself and then sc- dip the scooped part into cream cheese. Okay. So I, I like that. That way it's like my, in, uh, my <laughs> FU to being healthy. Or, and, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm scooping it. But because I want to eat the bread separately on two, you know, having it two ways. Oh, so. yeah. Well, I call it juice sushi. Yeah. I you know. know. That's my, yeah, I hashtag it. Actually, if you want to check it out at home, uh, just hashtag juice sushi, all one word. Okay. And that's that's kind of like to say, you know, the bagel, it's kind of like the rice. But people understand that bagels are important. People don't understand how important rice is to sushi, you know? It makes or breaks it. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's big time. Unless it's sashimi, that's a different yeah. story. But but sashimi's not as interesting. I mean, it, it's great. It can be. I mean... Sashimi is great, but, like, the nigiri is a whole nother. Having perfect rice and, like, just the right amount of everything on there makes it... It takes it from just, like, showing how great you cut a knife, how great you use a knife, and how great your purveyor is, and how great your selection and your sourcing is, to completing the dish more, I think. Sure. It's not just... Hey, I can use a knife, but it's like I can create yeah. a dish. I mean, they in Japan, they they like apprentice for like two years alone, if I'm not mistaken, just making the rice. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, that's like a huge thing. Like well, making the, rice every day, that's all you do for two years. Well, I mean, your uh, Blue Collar is on 67th and Biscayne. There's a place that I used to go to when I lived on 67th and Biscayne. 
That was you in the motel? No. <laughs> <laughs> now, many years ago, I, I actually lived there from like 2005 to 2008, roughly. Okay. And uh, it's called Japanese Market. You ever go there? Oh, in 79. Yeah, it's on seven, It's on the 79th Causeway yeah. in North Bay Village. Like, basically like across the street from Channel 7. Yeah. And they have a real Japanese sushi chef there, too. That place is excellent. I like it. I would... I only like going to a few places for sushi, and uh, they are one of them. It's them, Makoto, and Naue, I think, okay. are the really best places. Where are those? Just give me a... Uh, Naue is in Brickle Key. Makoto is in Bell Harbor. Sushi okay. Deli is where you said. And uh, Actually, I had some really good nigiri at Yakoson the other day. Okay. Which I normally get the hot Japanese food there, and I was very surprised at how good my nigiri was there. Yeah, I, I really like Matsuri out on... Uh, Red and Bird. See what you go so far south. You're such a. But I mean, they're they're amazing. Yeah, you know? I've heard that. But I'm, you know, growing up where I did, I my idea is like a five mile radius. So <laughs> gotcha, I gotcha. But it's impressive that you go that far south. I'll get out there. I actually grew up in the southwest side of Miami. Okay. Uh, near Miami Dade Kendall Campus there. Okay. Before it was called Kendall Campus. <laughs> is that south right? Campus. That's like where the. Uh, Near the fair? No. No, 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 no. Way south I'm thinking south FIU of there. South Campus. No, no, no. Way south of there. Oh. Like southwest 104th Street, like near there. That's far. Yeah, That's... but then I, I attended high school in downtown Miami at the New World School of the Arts. So I was always kind of bouncing around between the two. And now I'm downtown, but I still get out there. Yeah, no, that's nice. I, people, uh, I'm going to bitch at me for this. I grew up in, Brow- in Broward until I was 10. It's okay. Nobody on this show is perfect. All right. Well, I grew up in Broward until I was 10. So, you know, you form a lot of special memories up until 10. So whereas mm-hmm. you will go, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you go that yeah, far but that, south. That's so the opposite of what most people experienced. Because like, I was there for Hurricane Andrew. So right. I had a lot of friends who moved north right after the hurricane. Oh, we got there just before the hurricane. But whereas <laughs> if I started telling you places I go to that are so far deep in Broward and beyond, you'd probably be like, oh, I can't believe you go that far north. Whereas I'm like, I can't believe you go that far south. But I have a lot of places like that. We actually, it was weird. In like 89 to like 92, it seemed like North Miami Beach, people were like, oh my God, Weston exists. And they all went out there. Yes, very, very rapidly. My family was like, oh God, can we go back to Miami already? Because we were in Broward and then we moved to Miami. And we've been since. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to take a really short break and we're going to play a little music. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter, at Grant Stern. And you can find all of our podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, and more at www.onlyinmiamishow.com.
tickets to the University of Miami home opening football game is sponsored by 305 I Am Hurt. We'll be giving those tickets away at 8.08 p.m. That's 305 I Am Hurt. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're with Danny Surfer from Blue Collar Restaurant on Biscayne and 67th. Danny, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Now, uh, tell our audience, what's your website? Mm. (laughs) It's okay. Okay. Danny's got a mouthful of pastrami salmon. I think it's like done pastrami style. This is from Russ and Daughters that I kind of brought down. And, uh, And we're just having a little picnic in the studio tonight. Um, and it says no food or drinks in the studio. So I didn't see that. Where did you see that? Breaking the law, which is nice. <laughs> um, our website is bluecollarmiami.com. And uh, I think our other restaurant that we'll be opening soon is minionettemiami.com. And you can see all of our menus there. You can see a picture of me uh, 50 pounds lighter as well. Now spell minionette for our audience here. Cause, uh... M-I-G-N-O-N-E-T-T-E. Okay. I'm going to actually tweet you guys right now, so anybody who's out there can find you. Um, my account is at Grant Stern, and we're at Only In Miami Show. Uh, if you want to check out the show's Twitter account, it's actually a separate account. It's not me. It's the, the show's producers. I kind of pitch in there, too. So uh, tell us a little bit about what Minionette is going to be about. Uh, can I curse on here? No. Mm, no. Okay. You know, you can, but you're just going to keep the booth busy. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> Mininet is a oyster bar and seafood place that also serves what we're hoping is very amazing prime rib. All and right. So it's going to be prime rib and oysters. Prime rib and oysters. And we want to have all the raw bar stuff, you know, with all your different shrimp cocktails, your gut chowder, your gumbo, your bisque. Uh, your kind of two different cooked oyster preparations with the Bienville and the Rockefeller. And just kind of bring that um, oyster bar that we don't really have too many of down here in Florida here. You know, there'll be actually a shucker uh, up front and center in the dining room where you can, like, interact with and watch how he's shucking the, he or she is shucking the oysters and all that. And it's just going to be a fun place that's, like, <clears throat> I want to say a little bit more mature and... Uh, higher end than blue collar, but not like stuck up and and snobby or expensive. So the way me and Ryan uh, talk about it is we say hashtag f f word fancy. <laughs> <laughs> so literally hashtag uh, eh, fancy. Really? Yeah. Like, and that's how we want L- to be. Like the song. Is there a song that goes like that? Th- there's a song called Fancy. But we have the word uh, expletive in front of it. Oh, that makes it a lot better. And it's it kind of I think I think I think explains it exactly because it's all uh, it's it's that's like a joke. Like yeah, we're serving fancy stuff, but we're making a joke. Like we're not really taking it too seriously, or we're going to charge that much. Like one of the things we do, uh, I think we're going to do very well there is serving caviar and. 
I was never so crazy about caviar until I had it uh, my bachelor party uh, a little while ago, and like. Uh, okay, how long ago? Like about a year. Okay, so it's a recent taste. Yeah, for you. I was like, oh, whatever, caviar. But the, when I had it, this was the first time I really indulged in it and didn't just put it like when normally when you get it as an hors d'oeuvre somewhere or you go to someone's house, they're kind of cheap with it. You get like three or four eggs on top of something else, and you taste everything else but the caviar. So I was like, whatever. And this time, I took like a blini and put a shit... Oh, sorry. Oops. <laughs> put put like a large spoonful of caviar on it <laughs> and ate it like that and really got to enjoy the caviar and feel it in my mouth, like all the little eggs and everything. And it really is something special. So... Well, when you take the S out of the uh, caviar experience, it Im- improves the mental picture of how it tastes. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, so what I, you know, I, I what I thought was, I thought many people maybe are, have the same way of feeling about caviar as I do, and but they haven't had the ability because it's always so expensive anywhere you go to do it like that. So sure. we're offering it at a much better price point, you know, than than you typically see it, and I think it's, you know, people deserve to have some really great caviar, and in addition, some really great champagne, which we'll have with it as well. So that's what we kind of mean, like by. F and fancy, you know? That's I like that. F and fancy. F and fancy. It's like, <laughs> hey, come here and have some caviar and champagne. But we're still kind of like the blue collar restaurant. We still have like the DNA of this restaurant is the same as the DNA, at, you know, hooker motel blue collar. But we got caviar and champagne. But just without the hookers in the motel. Right. Well, we're, we are across. I mean, you're close to a close flop enough. house, but. We are across the street uh, from Miami's oldest cemetery, which is cool. So, and that's on Northeast 2nd Avenue yes. and 18th Street. Yeah, exactly where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the Miami City Cemetery, like where the Birdines are buried. I was going to say the Birdines are there, the Tuttles. There's like a, a you know, a couple different sections for people that they used to segregate back then, like, uh, you know, Jewish people. So, oh, okay. And uh, it's, it's... But they were kind enough to let a couple of us in there. Very few. Very few. <laughs> Select. Yes. And it's not even, it's not like, we're kind of more towards like the North Miami end. Maybe we should have Billy apply. He'll be on at eight o'clock. Yeah, that would. Yeah, uh, yeah, he could make the the north end, right? <laughs> I don't know. They, it looks like the plots are kind of tight. You'd have to dig someone out. I think. Uh, I'll there. leave that to Billy's producers. But uh, that you know, I thought that was kind of a nice part, a nice thing about the place. Maybe we could do something fun for Halloween if the city would let us in there. We could have like a fancy dinner in the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. They're a little picky about who they let into some of these I know. places. After they close hours. it up like so early, like at five. It's like they don't want people walking through there at night and like doing whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand why. I mean, I've lived in that neighborhood for many, many years. And uh, in fact, have you been to, uh, there's a, a place near there called Cush, Cush Winwood? I do. I have been to Cush. I like Cush. I, yeah. I like locale. So what I get at Cush is the same thing I get at Locale, and I like it very much. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually lived in that building in 2001. Where, where Cush is? Where Cush is now. Wow. Just I, imagine what it was like back then. I like to tell people, twenty year, it was like, what, 13 years yeah. ago, right? And 13 years ago, there was a big dump across the street. And, you know, Wynwood's really come a long way, and there's still a dump across the street. Yeah. <laughs> but that it was just like a night and day from now, I mean. Let me, can I ask you a question? Or yeah, is this hey, only, this, okay. This is not the only Grant gets to ask the question show. You are so vocal about Miami stuff, and you know from you know what the parcel 
was parcel par- B from parcel B to, you know, I always see you tweeting about stuff and being very involved. You were, you know, very vocal about the Walmart situation in Midtown. A little bit. Was there a particular instance that, or something that happened that triggered you to be so active in Miami stuff? That's a great question. Thanks. Cause uh, I wonder it myself also from reading your Twitter profile thing, you seem to, you were like mortgages at one point. I still do mortgages. mortgages. In fact, my company, Morningside Mortgage, sponsors <laughs> this show. So in my head, I made up a story about you know what happened with you, and, and I want to <laughs> see what the truth is to see if they kind of line up. Well, um, you know, I grew up down here, and uh, I went to high school in downtown. Um, I spent a lot of time in the city of Miami, like as a commuter, which I think a lot of people in this town do. Uh, you know, they work in downtown Miami, and then they go home to a suburb, you know, Kendall, Pinecrest, you know, Plantation, Miramar. So so for them, they're, they're not fully invested here. And I moved here in 2001 because of Wynwood. I thought that Wynwood was going to become something really amazing. Wow. Um, I'd heard about Soika, and I had attended high school in downtown during the really dirty 90s. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you could ask Billy. Well, I'll ask Billy. He'll be on at 8 o'clock. And, uh, you know, we all had our different favorite homeless person. I mean, every single person in our school had a different favorite homeless person. Like there was that many of them, and um, and I moved back after school and going around, and came here a couple of years later, you know, and then started getting a little bit more involved and opened my mortgage company, bought some property, sold some property, you know, started paying taxes, <laughs> <laughs> all those things, and uh, and I realized one day that, you know, even in my field, I had a lot of reach. I was getting the word out for what I was doing and very excited about it. But in my community, it wasn't happening. So I wanted to get involved because this is my home. Um, you know, I've always felt that the best ideas come when people are just pursuing what they think they need, like what is going to make them happy. You know, like inventors invent great things that they want invented. Right. <laughs> you know, not like, Oh, I'm going to sit around and try to invent something that's going to make me money, but I'm going to do something that makes me happy. It's interesting. This is what I want in my life. And so that's my big reason for being involved, that I really just like shaping the community out there and and being a part of it. And it's come a long way. I mean, this city from 2001, it's inspiring. Yeah. And that's what inspires me. All right. There are stories... What I made up in my head and what you just said, they're, they're not so far off. I hope so. They're not so far off. And I mean, I've, I've been listening to what's inside your head. You know, I called <laughs> the NSA. They gave me a little, you know, special privilege. No, I just, was like, I, it makes a lot of sense because one of you said, even in your field, you have reach. I was like, I thought, you know, doing the mortgages, I thought that maybe you saw a lot of people get burned. And what would be the opposite of being burned in the mortgage field? I thought you probably had seen your fair share of both. And, oh, yeah. And wanted to... and thought that maybe, you know, thought that you had a voice that could help. And that's, and that's kind of what I thought in my head. Believe me, that's what I do every day for work. <laughs> <laughs> that is my job. Uh, if it was easy to, to deal with this stuff, um, I would have no job. <laughs> <laughs> so um, You know, I'm really there. Like, that's what I do every day. And I'm out in the community doing that. People just don't see it that way. People... Uh, People have a lot of odd perception about mortgage brokers, you know. Um, what we do is abstract. 
in theory, you don't need us at all, right? No, absolutely not. I'm going through it right now, and uh, <laughs> the banks can go something fancy themselves. And they uh, they do some wild stuff, man. They do some crazy stuff, like you know. It, I'll tell you, they, <laughs> they do like, some wild stuff. They're like, wait, you don't have two million dollars? Why would we lend you money to buy a house? You know, mm-hmm. if you had the money, we would lend it to you because you wouldn't need it. Oh, it so. gets better than that sometimes. I mean, everybody has a unique situation, and these banks have exactly what they want. They've been fit it. Yeah. Mm. So, no, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for mortgage brokers, especially more and more recently as we, me and my wife are trying to find a home. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Walmart thing is a classic example of, like, how... You know, I, I, to me, it's just about giving back to the community, and it's about the neighborhood. And I live there. Right. I live there. I don't want that big Walmart causing traffic jams in the middle of Midtown Miami. Right, it's right there where it hits Wynwood. I mean, that area is going to become electric in twenty or thirty years. I mean, we may not even be able to see it when it becomes that electric, but we'll be old and you know, we, we may not care be. by then. But yeah. right now, <laughs> I mean. The way I look at it is that all the problems we have today, bad transit, uh, you know, political corruption, um, you know, those are those are two big ones. Those are kind of legacies that have been gifted to us by people who were here before us. And I, I don't want to gift that legacy to to my kid one day. Like, hey, you know, I stood there and watched as they uh, gave away $400 million worth of public land. <laughs> By the county, uh, after they gave a half a billion to a different billionaire for his baseball team. I mean, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, as a, a child of Miami, I feel like the only gifts that we get are like ill-gotten gains, like Marlins parks, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, that actually—that's a really cool, nice way of looking at stuff. You, uh, I, uh, it's nice. I believe in Winwood too. I didn't know anything about it. Like, there's certain Winwood pioneers, and you were one of them. I didn't know about Winwood until a few years ago when it started. You know, getting mm-hmm. some play. And my brother-in-law, he opened up a gallery over there. And uh, you know, I hope so. What's I, the name of the gallery? Greg Scheinbaum Fine Art. Okay. It's uh, he's got some cool stuff. He reps a few local artists. One of them, uh, two of them would be a hole sniffs glue and uh, clandestine culture. Is the other guy? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people know a hole. He's yeah. he does the they're like shells. They look yeah. like shells. And the eye, it's like an mm-hmm. yeah, the, yeah. Uh, he did the vagabond. That was a very prominent the vagabond uh, nightclub. Yep. So former vagabond nightclub. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I like that area a lot too. Right there, I go there like almost every day because it's where the restaurant equipment supply store is. So. Uh, throw a few more names out there, places that you like to dine, because I know you put them on the ticket at Blue Collar. Like yes. it actually says, we like to eat at this place. You should try it out. Yeah. Um, so who have been some of the featured guests? Uh, you know, a lot of my friends' places, and it's not just because they're my friends. Uh, so the Josh's Deli, uh, Richard from Sakaya and Black Brick mm-hmm. have also been featured on there. Uh, I, I actually, saw Lou Cali. Lou Cali. I love Lou Cali. I, Tell us a little bit about Lou Cali. Lou Cali is amazing pizza place out in Brooklyn and last year uh, they opened one up here and it's you know a very cool oven it's not a hundred years old but it's a very great oven for making pizzas Uh, they use the best ingredients possible like 
I defy anyone to find a better tomato sauce. You know, they use, I happen to know their artichokes are amazing because we use the same imported artichokes at Blue Collar, and they cost a fortune. And, uh, (laughs) you know, the cheese they use on the pizza, you can see the quality that they're using right there. And, you know, they make everything one by one, and it takes a lot of time. And it's, it's, it's pricey, some people say, for pizza, but I don't look at it like that. I look at it like you're getting something amazing, and things that are amazing cost a little bit more money than things that are like McDonald's. And mm, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the atmosphere at Lucali is beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful restaurant. You know, the service I've always found is very good, and, you know, it's in a cool area, that, like, Sunset Harbor area of South Beach that... Uh, Gets uh, has a lot of great restaurants in it now. Yeah, it's it's tucked in there. Yeah. How big is Lucali? Lucali, uh, I don't know. I want to say with the bar next door, probably eighty. Oh, so th- it's decent size. Yeah. One of the things seats. I really like about Lucali, which I can appreciate now because I have a six month old, is when I first started going there, I didn't have kids, nor were me and my wife pregnant, and I saw people go in there with like a double wide stroller, and they would seat them. <laughs> At a table, and like there was, you know, two adults and two kids, and they would seat them at a four top. And I heard the owner go there and be like, "Yeah, you know what? Hang out as long as you want. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself." And you know, that's <laughs> not me, of course, but that—that's the opposite of a lot of other restaurant owners or chefs. They're like, you know, move along. You have kids. They're not going to spend the kind of money that adults spend. So when I heard Dominic say that, I immediately, you know, had a tremendous amount of respect for him in that place. That's that's actually a huge thing. You know, families tend to not drink as much. Yeah. They may linger, you know, you have kids, maybe a little bit of noise. It, and, you know, you have a kid that's, you know, typically a kid that's anywhere up until like 14 is going to eat something smaller and less expensive than a grown-up. That so, wasn't me, but... So what are you feeding your six-month-old? And, and what's... Tell me a little about her. Uh, him. Him. His name is uh, Henry Max, after my... Uh, my late father, and he he has a pretty sweet life. Every three hours he gets, uh, <laughs> he feeds from my wife for about an hour, and then he eats some really great organic baby food, and then he just plays, and then maybe goes to the bathroom and then repeats that all day long and until he sleeps for about 12 hours. Wow. And, that's yeah. just, that's, that is La Vida. It, it's pretty awesome. And you know what? He's starting to be cool with me now. We kind of bonded a lot, like yesterday, and uh, so he's he actually likes you now. He likes me now. Like okay. now, I'm one of the people. Like if he's like going nuts and all fired up and crying, I can hold him and he'll stop crying. You know, it used to be just his mom, but now I'm I'm part of that. You I'm broke like, into the circle of trust after yeah. six months. Yeah, yeah, actually, exactly after six months because <laughs> it takes time. It does take time. So. For our audience, where can they find Blue Collar online? Uh, BlueCollarMiami.com. Okay. Uh, BlueCollarMiami.com. Yep. Or on Twitter at BlueCollarMIA. Is that right? Is that what it is? Well, I mean, last time I tweeted at you. I think so. (laughs) It's not Blue Collar Miami? Is it Blue Collar? I don't know. Let me see. I'm not sure. It could be Blue Collar MIA. I thought it was MIA. No, it's Miami. It's Blue Collar Collar Miami. Miami. Hey, you know what? You're better at this marketing thing. (laughs) So, yeah, at Blue Collar Miami. I think that's our Instagram as well, and we and, and you guys are open what hours? Um, seven days a week, two services a day, eleven thirty for lunch to three thirty 
and then we close and reopen at 6 to 10 or 11 for dinner, depending on the day. All righty, and that's on 67th and Biscayne Boulevard. That's Blue Collar Restaurant. Yes. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Thank you for it's having me. It's been my me. pleasure. We're going to have Billy Corbin coming up just at the 8 o'clock hour, and we have an 8.08 contest tonight. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. We'll be right back.